Um, last, this is it, Number part number six, War Room. Um, if, I believe this coming Wednesday will be our final study on uh, our War Room study on Wednesday. Man, we've just been having great crowds. Uh, we will try and get through the final study this Wednesday. We will try and get through. Um, but uh, hopefully that's been rewarding for those of you who have been coming. It's just been a great atmosphere. Um, I, as briefly as I can here, um, I want to do a, a real quick review before I give you thoughts about where we're moving ahead from here. Um, in week one, um, yeah, yeah, boy, it's going to be hard. Um, we, we talked about um, how our words, as we approach the throne of grace and we approach God's throne, our words need to be that of uh, uh, King Solomon whenever he wrote, walk prudently when you go to the house of God and draw near to hear rather than to give the sacrifice of fools. For they do not know that they do evil. Do not be rash with your mouth and let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. If you remember, and I have to bring out this point because it kind of gets my juices going a little bit. And for those of you who are not here, hopefully you'll find this interesting. Remember that when we approach the throne of, of grace, God's mercy seat, we are praying to the one who created all the galaxies. The, the cluster of galaxies that is closest to our galaxy, the Milky Way, some of you will remember this, is that one right there. Actually, I'll hit that in a second. Um, that is the, uh, the galaxy closest to us. You remember this point? That is called the Canis Major Dwarf Galaxy, and that is 25,000 light years away. 20,000, 25,000 light years away. Now, since I preached this message, I did a little bit more research on this. Albert Einstein determined that light travels at that speed right there. Now, just let that sink in for a second. Albert Einstein determined that light travels at 186,282 miles per second, not hours, second. We do 55 miles per hour. That is per second. To put all that into comparison, if you and I were in a plane going 500 miles an hour, it would take us approximately 400, four hours to go across the United States. Now, have to have a little bit of fun with you this morning. Our family is, no, don't get in, give me any amens on this, but our family is kind of geekish, okay? Um, and you'll know what I'm talking about. We, we kind of get into the revival of the superheroes that has been going on in the society today. Uh, some, my mom and dad are here, and I've talked to dad about who were some of the superheroes when you were growing up. But uh, um, if you were this guy right here, if you were the Flash, all right, Going the speed of light, if you were traveling the speed of light, you would be able to circle the earth seven and a half times every second. Let that sink in. You would be able to circle the earth seven and a half times every second. And our nearest galaxy is 25,000 light years away. And to think that there are over 350 billion galaxies out there, how long would it take us to reach the furthest galaxy? Listen, folks, before we utter a word, perhaps we should say, God, 
Forgive us for thinking it's all about us. God, forgive me for just making our conversations a one-sided conversation. As we enter our war rooms, may we ponder on our God who is holy. He is righteous. May it produce an awe and a reverence that just blows our mind away. Our God is eternal. He is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. Therefore, our words should be few. Week number two. We talked about when we pray. Actually, we launched into our focus passage, which is Matthew chapter 6. Jesus said, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. When you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. For your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. When we began this study, our our second week was this. When you pray, we focused on when you pray. You remember, when you pray, Jesus reminded us, remember that you have been invited. You have been invited by the awesome God that created all the galaxies and the planets, the same God, the same God who created it all, wants you and I to talk to Him. He wants to heal us. He wants to mend our broken lives. And you'll remember how we talked about prayer works. We used the pieces of paper. I reviewed that not long ago. Those of you who came up and wrote on your pieces of paper because God had answered a prayer in your life that you knew that had He not shown up, you'd be doomed. That had God not intervened, there was some kind of miracle in your life. And had that not taken place, you would be in trouble. And we had score after score, person after person come up and give their testimony on paper. Remember, remember, Brock. Remember, Barsmill Church of God. Boy, it sounds so preachy to say this, but prayer... Works. Can I get an amen to that? The week after that, we talked about where you pray. Listen, we live such crazy, busy, distracted lives, and where we pray is a critical element to our prayer life. It is vitally important that we choose a time and a place where there are no interruptions. You see, God is a jealous God, and He will not share time with us with an email or a text that comes across our phone whenever we're trying to be alone with God. He will not share His time with us when a phone call comes across. But Jesus said, when you pray, go into your private room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. You see, we need to both mentally and physically enter our private rooms, our private places and shut the door on anything or anyone that might get in the way of true communion with God. After that, we talked about to whom you pray. 
Remember, we talked about the Apostle Paul when he went to Athens and he was surrounded by the Greeks and they were worshiping and praying and sacrificing to one God after another. And they had one God that was uh, uh, um, dedicated to the unknown God. How many today are praying to an unknown God? It's possible for someone to evaluate the idea or have uh, to value the idea of prayer without knowing the one to whom they are praying to. Did you hear me with that? It is possible for us, it is possible for someone to value the idea of prayer without knowing the one, capital O, to whom they are praying. You see, God wants us to know to whom we are praying. Not just know of God, but to know this God. And just exactly who is this God? He is the great I am. The same great I am that spoke to Moses in the burning bush. Of himself, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the living bread. I am the light of the world. I am the resurrection and the life. And I say to you, before Abraham was, say it with me, I am. You and I can personally know, know the great I am especially as we go into our times of prayer. That's where we've been for the last four or five weeks. Ever since I've started this study on Sunday mornings and on Wednesday nights, the enemy has been attacking. I shared this with the, uh, uh, the folks on Wednesday night, and I'll share it with you. Last Wednesday, just being real with you, or last Sunday was probably one of the most difficult times I've ever had to preach in my life. I don't know what it was. The entire time that I was preaching, I felt a heaviness. I felt a weight. I felt there was just something. And whenever I was done preaching, I, I, just, I know we had the dinner uh, last week, and I, just, I had to get away because I felt like I failed God. And later found out that there were other individuals who told me that when they came onto the church grounds, they just sat in their car and wept because they sensed a heaviness. They sensed, they just started weeping for their church. I talked to another individual and they said they even had a hard time getting to church because there was a heaviness. Folks, this stuff is real. Whenever you launch into a study like this, the evil one is not happy. It disrupts his kingdom work. And as I said, folks, this is war. This is war. I'm not just saying that. Ephesians tells us, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Listen, if you and I are brave enough to enter into this war, know that the enemy is just not going to lay down. Even now, at 11.31 p.m., A.M., sorry. Yesterday was a long day. A good day, but a long day. Even now, 
Satan is strategizing against you. He is scheming against you, thinking of ways that he can assault you, come against your emotions. He came against my emotions last week. Coming against our mind, he will come against our marriage, he will come against our children, he will come against our family, he will come against our relationships. He is coming for your futures, church. He is coming. Even as I speak right here and right now, right where you are sitting, he is scheming against you. I'm not trying to scare anyone. I'm just trying to simply warn you. Now, if you're not praying, hear me out on this. If you're not praying, then you don't need to be leery because you're no threat to him. (laughs) He's already got you where he wants you. If you're not praying. You see, Satan is not happy with me because I have led a series on Sunday mornings and I have led a series on Wednesday nights and he has attacked me. But he's not concerned if all we do is just preach and teach and talk about prayer. What concerns him is when you actually get down to praying. That's it. That's it right there. But make no mistake about it, Satan is coming after you. How many of you can say that he has attacked you over the last month and a half? Let me see your hands. Hands up. Look at that. Look at that. All right. Thank you. He has attacked you. Maybe how does he attack us? Maybe some of you can identify with some of these things right here. Um, I can. Uh, one of the ways that he attacks us is he attacks our passion. He attacks our passion. Listen, nothing significant in life. No ministry, nothing outside of church or in your job, nothing significant in life is done without passion. Without passion. Do you feel your, your passion for things of God, for prayer, for the study, for the ministry is lacking? This could be an attack from the enemy. See, he seeks to zap our passion, dim our desires, dull our interest in spiritual things, and downplay the power and potential that we have in Jesus. That's one way he attacks us. He also attacks us. He attacks our focus. He disguises himself and manipulates our perspective so that we end up, oh, listening to this, so that we end up focusing on other things or other people versus him. Instead of realizing that it's Satan who is ultimately behind our battles, we take it out on our spouses. We take it out on our kids. We take it out on other relationships. He attacks our focus. He attacks our identity. What is taking place in your life right now that is making you feel insecure? Look, we all have insecurities, whether we're brave enough to admit it. We all have insecurities. What is taking place in your life right now that is making you feel insecure? He is using it to defeat you. He will magnify your insecurities, causing you to doubt what God says about you and forget what God has given you. He attacks our identity. He attacks our family. Need I say more? He attacks our families. He will and He is doing anything that He can to disintegrate and to divide the home, making it a place that is chaotic and dysfunctional. He attacks our confidence. He wants to constantly remind you of your past. 
making you a prisoner of some painful memory or some mistake or bad choice that you made in the past, hoping to convince you that you're under God's judgment rather than under the blood of Jesus Christ. He will attack our confidence. He attacks our calling. Yes, the pastorate and the ministry is a unique calling in and of itself, but every single one of you in here this morning, you have a calling in your life. Maybe it's in a ministry here at the church. Maybe it's at your secular workplace. Maybe it's being a stay-at-home mom. Whatever it is, Satan wants to amplify any fear, any worry, and any anxiety that you may have So that you'll listen to those voices in your head, thus making you think that God is not calling you to that ministry. Or whatever it is, it's just too risky. I remember whenever I was calling to the ministry here years ago, that was hard to do because it it took a risk. I had to take a step of faith. I had no idea what the future was going to hold. And Satan played with our mind. We were secure here. I had a good job at Andrew's Furniture. Things were going well at the church and at home. And you guys were still here, weren't you? Chuck and Barbie was here. Mom and dad an hour away. Life is good. But God was calling us into ministry, and Satan began to attack us. He will attack our calling. He attacks, oh my, our purity. He attacks our purity. He will tempt you towards certain sins, convincing you that you are fine and that you can tolerate them without any risk or any harm to yourself or anyone else. Knowing they'll not only drive a wedge between you and God, but they'll also destroy your life as you know it. He will attack our purity. He attacks our rest and contentment. I know I'm speaking to some people here with this. He wants to overload our life and our schedules, pressuring you to constantly push beyond your limits, never feeling permission to say no, never finding time to truly rest and rest in the Lord. He attacks our heart. He'll use every opportunity to keep old wounds fresh knowing that anger and hurt and bitterness and unforgiveness will continue to keep our heart damaged. And one more here. He attacks our relationships. He creates disruption and disunity within the circle of friends, and hear me, within the circle of our church. He's trying to divide. He's trying to conquer and realize that the enemy is not necessarily a brother or a sister or a mom or a dad or a sibling. The enemy is Satan himself. Listen, if you can relate to any of these or maybe you can relate to more than just one of these, you have been a victim. I'm telling you, church, this is war and we had better be prepared. Listen, whether it's a person or a circumstance in your life, whether it's a whoever or a whatever, we've got to see that these things are not the real problem. The one behind the scenes driving some of our most difficult challenges is Satan himself. Everything that occurs in the visible 
physical world is directly connected to the wrestling match that takes place behind the scenes, that takes place in that spiritual realm, in the invisible world. Satan wants to run roughshod over your life. He wants us to focus on the physical and ignore the spiritual. Satan may be invisible, but he's not fictional, church. He is real and very persistent. Now, I spent enough time talking about the enemy. Just the mood, just like, ooh, boy, that's heavy stuff. Praise the Lord, we've not lost the war, though, have we? I mean, we just spent time talking about how powerful the enemy is, but let me say that God has not left us defenseless. He has promised to help us. He has promised to fight for us. He has conquered sin, death, hell, and the grave. We too have strategies and tactics against the enemy. We too have weapons that we can use. It's in the same chapter of Ephesians. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And isn't that what we just want to do? Just stand? Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take in the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. I debated whether or not to share this, but I'm going to share it anyways and just maybe it'll stick with somebody. I told you that our family's kind of geekish when it comes to some of those superheroes. Some of you are geekish too. I can just tell by looking at you. No, I'm just just kidding. That was bad. Um, But one of the more popular heroes of today is this guy right here. Who is that? That's Iron Man. That's Iron Man. There's a reason why I have him up there. I was asking Parker and Laban last night, what are some of Iron Man's special abilities? He can fire missiles from that suit, that armor that he has. He has what's called repulsor beams that he can shoot uh, beams out of his hand and he can disintegrate and he can pulverize practically anything. He can fly at Mach 3. That's 2,283 miles per hour. Not second, but uh, hour. His uh, suit is made of indestructible titanium alloy armor. Quite the superhero. But for those of you who are the real Marvel DC nerds, you know that his suit is powered by a single source. It's that thing that's right in the middle of his chest. It's that round glowing light. And it's called the self-sustaining electromagnetic arc reactor. Right, guys? Did I get that right? Okay, listen, everything in his suit is powered off of that right there. He can't do anything unless he has that power source. Without it, and his suit is nothing more than just a worthless hunk of metal. Why do I bring this seemingly trivial illustration? 
Church, I thought of our last point. Parker, you'll have time to walk, buddy, I promise. In order, church, to make the armor of God work, God has given every single one of us one more weapon. I'm calling it the secret weapon. I believe it's the greatest weapon of them all. You see, we can put on every piece of armor that I just read in Ephesians. The belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and all of those pieces of armor, we can put all of that on. But there is still one thing that you and I need to energize the armor, to energize, to empower our entire suit. Without it, we are powerless. What is it? It is found in the same passage, and if we're not careful, we will miss what it is. For the very next verse says this, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all of the saints. Church, it comes back to prayer, doesn't it? It always comes back to prayer. The great revivals of years past, as their revival starts off when a group of students get up 30 minutes earlier for class and they come together because they have a burden for a classmate who needs to know Jesus Christ. And it was just a few months later that they wound up in a, a huge auditorium and the, the, uh, the tabernacle was filled. And before they knew it, man, just people just started coming up. And one student started by getting up and reconciling with another student. He walked across Hughes Auditorium and he made things right with his fellow friend and brother. And before they knew it, things just started popping up and people just started flooding to the altars. And it was about a week, week and a half or so of constant revival. They shut down classes. Things began to take place because people paid the price and they prayed. Praying always. You see, prayer is the electricity on the other side of the outlet. It's the power that charges everything that we do and it energizes our suit of armor. Let me bring this thing in for a landing. As we enter our war rooms, we, we have finished the stuff, but we need to continue what we've started. As we enter our war rooms, Prayer will change the trajectory and the outcome of our lives. Without prayer, spiritual victory in our lives as individuals and in our relationships is not possible. Prayer is everything in your personal walk with the Lord, God's presence in your home, God's presence in our church. You want His presence to be a powerful manifestation in your life? Prayer. Prayer. I don't know what made me think about this. Some of you are thinking, Pastor Brock, I don't know what kind of time I have for prayer. I'm thinking of my daughter, Jess. She's in the, in the middle, in the midst of the motherhood years to where uh, she's got a four-year-old. And how old is Sawyer now? One and a half. Holy smokes. Some of you might know what she's going through. How on earth do I find time to pray? You know what she can do? It says pray without ceasing. There are different ways. If you want it bad enough, you know, there are times when we've told Jess, you know, Jess, just open up the Word of God and read a verse, just one verse. 
just focus on that verse for the entire day. As you go about your day, as you're taking care of the kids, or as you're going here and there, focus on that verse. Or just as you're going throughout your day, just, just say quick spurts of prayer. You know, fill your mind. See, folks, there's things that we can do. We can be people of prayer no matter where we're at, no matter what we are doing. For this is war. Starting next week, I'm going to go into those pieces of armor that we talked about. What does it really mean to put on the belt of truth? What does it really mean to hold up the... uh, um, the breastplate of righteousness. We're going to begin to study that next week. And also next week, God has been stirring something within my heart, and I briefly mentioned it to the class on Wednesday evening, but uh, we, are, we are going to uh, somehow, some way, as a congregation, I know some of you have launched into your own personal war room, that's fine, but it's, I want to ramp up, uh, vamp up, amp up what we're doing as a church for prayer, and I'm going to unveil what I believe God has been stirring within my heart so that we as a church, a church body, can be one and can begin to pray more in the Spirit. And so I'm going to challenge you to be involved with what God has placed on our heart. Those of you who have entered your private prayer rooms, I say keep it up. Don't allow the enemy to defeat you. If you have not done that, today can be the day. Today can be the day that you start your own personal journey. Now, you don't have to answer this, but Are you ready to enter this battle? If you are willing to either keep going down this road or begin afresh and anew, if you're tired of Satan defeating you in some of those ten areas that I talked about, if you're tired of him taking ground in your life, in your marriage, in your family, with your kids, if you're tired of him taking ground in the church, if you're tired of him taking ground in your life, What I'm going to ask you to do this morning is just come down. Just come down to the altar, and I'm going to conclude this morning in a time of prayer. We're going to have a corporate word of prayer, but if you are tired, if you're saying, it's time. It's time that we start taking ground back. You get up out of your seat right now and just come down to the front. And I know there's people in here. You're ready for God to do some major things in your life. Come down. There's nobody here. There's one. There's two. Folks, this, this, is, this, this is just not another sermon. It's just not another time for us to come together and open up and sing some songs and take up an offering and go about our day. This is, this is a time when God wants to do some major work in our life. No one else. No one else wants to come down and have Satan take rule of your life or have a Satan be defeated in your life. Can I just say our altar should be full right now? Can I say it? Our pews should be one or two deep. Hmm. Hmm. I'm going to have our, our chair, Lisa, come up and get ready to lead us in prayer. I know you're down there, Lisa. I'm just going to have you come up. Hmm. It's prayer, folks. It's prayer. 
What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Psalm 1 tells us, Many are those who rise up against me, but you, O Lord, are a shield for me. I cried to the Lord, and he heard me from his holy hill. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for salvation belongs to the Lord. Deuteronomy 31.6, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and the rivers shall not overtake you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. In Ephesians 50, or Isaiah 54:17. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. All of my leaders need to be down here. Elders and deacons, I want you to come down, please. All my elders and deacons, you need to come down. There is no way that we can lead this church, leaders, Sunday school teachers. If you're here, come on down here. We are in a battle. We are in a war. We are trying to lead this church in the way that God wants us to lead it. We can't do it without the Holy Spirit. We can't do it without prayer. God help us this morning. God help me this morning. I'm going to start and then Lisa, you go ahead and pray. Father God, I know that there are those times when we need to let our words be few. And Lord, this morning we come to you and we acknowledge our inadequacies. We acknowledge that you are God and we are not. God, I acknowledge I'm only a man. Help me. God, would you help me? As imperfect as I am, would you help me? God, would you help my wife? Would you help my kids? Satan, you are defeated. Satan, did you hear me? I said you are defeated in the name of Jesus Christ. You have no business here. You have no business in our home. Satan, I repeat and I echo the words that Joshua said. As for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. Father God, Brock needs you. God help
Lord, help our leaders. I pray for the elders and I pray for the deacons. God, may we not get so wrapped up with the minute details and forget what we're here for. We're here to help the souls of mankind. We're here to help those who come through these doors experience a relationship with Jesus Christ. Lord, whether it be teaching a class or coming up with the next study, or Lord, whether it be what paint to put on the walls, God, may we be in unity this morning, God. I pray that you would help us, God, Lord, to be people who will love one another. And if anything that has taken place, Father, that we would go to one another and just love each other, that the same love you've given us, we would give to one another. Father, we're imperfect people. We are a family. We're a family of God. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would empower us this morning. I believe that there are greater days. There are better days. There are bigger days in store for the Bars Mill Church of God. Not because I'm here, but because, Holy Spirit, we are praying. We want to be a praying church. We want to be an intercessory church. We want to be a church that takes these things serious, God. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for who you are, for what you're doing. Give our leaders wisdom. Lord, help our Sunday school teachers and those that are involved with ministries, Father. I pray that you would give them time. May they rebuke the enemy as he tries to not allow them at time to prepare for their message and for their studies. I pray that they will put him in his place and put you in your rightful place and that you would empower them to prepare. God, may we be one. Jesus, as you said, you and the Father are one. Yes, God. Lord, there are those here this morning. You're coming as individuals. Lord, I don't know what their needs are, but they recognize that, that, you, that the evil one has been taking much, much too much territory in their life. God, they don't have to take that. Right now, Lord, they're recognizing that it's an attack from the evil one. And we realize that all we need to do is submit to God, resist the devil, and he must flee. God, may we stand upon your word of God. Lord, it's not my word. It's not Lisa's word. It's not anyone else's word, but it's upon the word of God. That is our power and is by prayer. Lord, it's prayer combined with the word of God. Satan cannot stand that. So may we be the people who, who incorporate your word into our prayer life. And then may it change us. May we not be hearers of the word only, but may we be doers of the word. Holy Spirit, we are giving you free reign from here on out. We are allowing you to move in a mighty way. Father, I'm looking for the day whenever I don't have to preach at all to where the Holy Spirit just breaks out and we experience your presence in mighty ways, God. God, help us. God, may we get desperate for you today. May we get desperate for you. God, help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Dear God, our almighty God, you are awesome, Lord. I thank you so much for what you're doing. And Father, I I pray and I thank you for a Damascus moment. (laughs) Lord, you took Saul, who was a Pharisee, a religious man, who knew the Old Testament as we know the Old Testament, even knew it better than we do. He knew about all the prophets and, and prophecies, Father God. And yet he didn't know you, Jesus Christ, and you brought him to his knees in Damascus and let your light shine upon him. And Father God, I pray that in the name of Jesus, that no one in this building 
will be like Saul, the Pharisee, religious and claiming to know who the Almighty God is, but not have a relationship with you. Lord God, bring us to Damascus right now in the name of Jesus. Bring us to our knees so that we can see who you really are. You are the light, the way, the truth, and the life, the bread of life. Jesus, just pour yourself out on us right now through your Holy Spirit. Lord, help us to put aside all the weights that weigh us down. Help us to put aside all of our differences and our personal tastes and our personalities and our frustrations. Lord, you say cast all our cares upon you because you care for us. Lord, here we are. You are the altar. You are the altar. And here we are, Father God, to sacrifice ourselves to you for your glory. Pour yourself out on us in a mighty, mighty way, Father God. This church doesn't belong to any one person. This church belongs to you. It is under the management of God Almighty, the creator of all. Satan, you have been defeated. You are defeated, and you have to flee Bars Mills Church of God. You have to flee Bars Mills in Sugar Creek, Ohio, right now, in the name of Jesus. We bind you, Satan. As Matthew 18, 18 says, Whatsoever things is bound on earth is bound in heaven, and whatsoever things is loosed in earth is loosed in heaven and Satan you are bound in the name of Jesus get thee behind us Satan in Jesus name and we loose the power of the Holy Spirit to come to cleanse hearts to set free to fill us with the peace that passes all understanding the joy that's unspeakable and full of glory oh God thank you thank you you taught your disciples how to pray in Jesus you prayed in John 17 verse 20 you prayed for us Before you were even crucified, it tells us in your words that you prayed for those who have not yet come, but will hear the word through your disciples. We have the word through the word of God, the Holy Bible, and we are hearing it, Father. We thank you for allowing us to hear your word. And I thank you, Jesus, for praying for us that we would be able to be raised up for you and bring glory to you and shed your light on a dying world because it is not your will that any should perish but that all should have everlasting life. And that can only come through the unconditional love of Jesus Christ. Oh, Father God, pour that love out on us and may we love each other that way no matter what. Lord, thank you. I thank you for each one that's here. I thank you for the calling that you have placed on each one of our lives. I thank you for defeating Satan in the name of Jesus. And you defeated him on the grave. Death, where is thy sting? Where is your victory? There isn't any in you because we have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we have the victory over all of our problems. Lord God, stretch out your hands in the storms of life that everyone faces and say, peace be still. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. You have made us more than conquerors through Jesus Christ our Lord. We are victorious because of you, Jesus. May we live a victorious life, not a life victims, a life as children of the Almighty God. Thank you. No weapon formed against us will prosper. None. None. Because we believe in you. Thank you for the victory today. Thank you for drawing us close to you. You are awesome, God. And to you be the glory and the power and the majesty forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Where he leads.